Amen. I'm thankful for the blessings of God, and I pray that you will open your heart as we open the Word of God today. The Song of Solomon, a portion of Scripture that you probably don't go read from very often. Amen. I mean, how many of you read from the Song of Solomon very often? Not very many, because it's a little bit too intimate for most people. But there's a lot of wonderful things that are said in the Song of Solomon. Actually, it's the picture of the perfect couple. And not perfect in themselves, but how they ought to relate to one another. Anyway, it's a good story to read. But the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, I want to read verse number 12. Uh, or verse. Let me read verse 11 and 12 so that you can get a a gist of where we're coming from. In Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 11, it said, For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, and the time of the singing of birds is come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our Land, And then turning to the New Testament, a more familiar portion of Scripture, <clears throat> reading from Ephesians, the fifth chapter, I want to read beginning with verse number 17, and it reads like this, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's important that you underline that verse right there. Don't be ignorant. Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And he goes on to define part of the will of God for your life. Verse 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, speaking to yourselves. And in Colossians, it says, speaking to yourselves and one another. But speaking to yourselves, speaking, everybody say to myself. Speaking to myself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I don't know what to call this today, so for lack of a better title, just so you can get your hand around where I want to go, I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about the day you got your song back. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. Turn to somebody and say help that poor preacher out. He needs it this morning. Amen. This particular portion of scripture has been on my mind for quite some time. As a matter of fact, I have scribbled down notes probably a year ago uh, on this particular subject, but it was brought to my mind by my sweet sister-in-law the other day who uh, had a visitor by her house that was waking her up too early in the morning. And uh, that's what happens at this time of year. Spring brings a lot of things out. Most of them we enjoy. 
the buds and the flowers and the bees and all that comes with this time of year we embrace and we enjoy, but it also seems to bring out the birds and their melodious music. The question that comes to my mind, though, when I was hearing my sister-in-law talk about all of that was why do birds sing? Now, maybe you don't think like that, but that's how my brain works. Why do they sing? What is their purpose? And so I got to doing a little research and I found out that it is a fact that birds put a lot of effort into their singing or whatever other sounds that they use to announce their presence because their song is important to them. Their song is often loud and it is repetitive and that's the part that usually gets on our nerves. One observer who was watching a particular type of bird said that it sings with a remarkable vehemence as if it's trying to burst its own lungs. The tiny bird that it was speaking in reference to weighed less than one-third of an ounce, but it sings ten times more powerfully than the rooster that crows in the morning. Birds sing their songs thousands of times throughout the day. Some of them, 70% of the day is spent in singing their song. And some have quite a large repertoire of songs, not just one, but many. The brown thrasher sings as many as 2,000 distinct songs every day. And the red-eyed barrow sings more than 20,000 songs a day. There are other species, though, that have only one song. But each bird, each species of birds is capable of making a variety of sounds that it uses to communicate with other birds. These sounds come in particular patterns and they are repetitive and sometimes very complex. But the bottom line is that a bird seems to communicate. Now, most of us probably think that birds sing or they communicate in that way to attract the attention of a mate. And that is partially true. But the chief reason, hear me this morning, the chief reason that a bird sings is to notify all other birds in the area that this is my territory. This is my hunting ground. These are my feeding places and you need to keep off. And so basically a bird sings to mark its territory to declare to whomever may hear that this area is my area. This belongs to me and their song reinforces their ownership. There is a stake that is made and a claim that is declared by that bird and it is essential that they do that because their very survival depends on them declaring their territory. Amen. 
Most of you are aware that life has a way of taking the song out of us. Life has a way of taking the music out of our soul. Kind of like the parakeet that the family bought and put in its cage and every day it would get up on its perch and it would sing its lovely song and entertain the family and they loved it. And one day while the house, the lady of the house was cleaning, she decided maybe the bird cage needed to be cleaned and so She opened the door and she put the vacuum hose in and didn't realize how close she was to little Petey Parakeet. And next thing you know, she has sucked him up in that vacuum cleaner and immediately she goes into full-blown panic and slaps the button to turn it off and unzips the bag and pulls that bag apart and down inside that bag, all feathers all messed up and beak all contorted and all kind of dust and other things on it sat that little bird with this dazed look in his eye. So she gets him out gently and she goes and washes him off and she gets him all preened and and cleaned up and she puts him back in his clean cage and She said, the only thing, though, now all he does is just sit and stare. That's what life does to us. Unexpected things come and suck us up into the vortex of uncontrollable events in life. And the next thing you know, life has taken our song. It has taken our ability to declare who we are. You see, when the bird sings, he is first of all declaring who he is. He is declaring that he is a particular type bird. He is of a particular species and he has a particular song. And so when they sing, they identify who they were. No wonder when Paul began to write to the early church and trying to give them words of wisdom about dealing with life and its complexity and all of the ups and downs that would come to them. He said how important it is that you be wise when it comes to living and understand how important is your song, how important it is that you know how to sing your song because your song is your identity. It is your way of letting the world know. Though the circumstances may say otherwise, I'm still a child of God. Though what I am around and surrounded by may not look like it, I belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I have been redeemed by precious blood I have been bought with an awesome price. And so he said we must sing. Sing to ourselves. Because life will take out of you that song if it can. And it has taken it out of a lot of you that are here today. Loss and conflict and failure and frustration and collapses and and all of the other things that happen in life, uh, all of the hurts and the ups and downs uh, and the disappointments that come, 
It has a way of taking out of you that means that God gave you to help establish your identity, but more than that, give you a way of letting the world and the devil know, I may be down, but I'm not out. I may be in a bad place this morning, but I'm coming out because God has given me a means to get out of this situation and I, I'm going to learn how to sing again. Hallelujah. Disappointment will steal your happiness and circumstances will steal your faith and life will steal your joy and if the devil can, he'll steal your peace. And hurts will steal your love and defeats and setbacks will steal your courage and depression will steal your hope and frustrations and irritations will steal your contentment. How important it is that you know that God has given you a means to get all of that back. That God has given you and I a way of reclaiming what has been taken from our life. And as the little bird that sits on its perch and it sings out its melodious tune, it is simply declaring to the world, this is mine. This belongs to me. And I'm not going to let life or situations or circumstances or hurts or depression or defeat Take from me what God has by His grace given me. And somebody said amen. We are well aware that the devil is a thief and he comes, the Bible says, but to kill and steal and destroy. And he will take everything he can from you if he can. But the bird sings and we must learn how to sing declaring that this joy is mine and you're not taking it from me. This peace is mine and the world is not going to take it from me. This hope is mine and nothing's going to wring that out of my life. This joy is mine and no circumstance is going to steal my joy because God by His mercy and grace has given those things to me and I stand to declare today that they're still mine. You know why I worshipped a while ago? I didn't worship because there were words on the wall. And I didn't worship because there was somebody playing a keyboard. I worship because I want anybody in earshot to hear and know that this is my territory. This belongs to me. This joy, this peace, this hope, this life belongs to me. And nothing is going to take it away from me. Nothing, nothing is going to take it away from me. The reason you need to sing today is to declare that this is still mine. Amen. This is mine. I'm not going to let go of what grace has done in my life. I'm not going to let go of what grace has brought into my life. I'm not going to let go of what grace has transformed in my life. I'm going to open my mouth and sing and declare, first of all, that I'm still His. 
I'm a child of the King. I belong to Him. I have His name over my life. I'm going to declare not only that, but I'm going to declare that I'm your brother. I'm your helper. I'm here to encourage you as well. But more than that, I want to let the enemy know you may have knocked me down, but you haven't knocked me out. And you may have hurt me, but you're not killing me because I've got a song in my heart. I've got a way of lifting my voice. I've got a way of clapping my hands. And joy comes again. And peace comes again. And happiness comes again into my life. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. The weapon was their, or the song was their identity, but it was more than just their identity. It was their weapon. It was their way of declaring. It was their way of saying, this is mine. You know what? You have to own a faith if you're going to survive. You can't live on your daddy or your mama or your wife or your sister or your friend's faith. You've got to own faith yourself. You can't come and go depending on somebody else praying you through a situation all the time. Somewhere you've got to stand up and say, you know what, I've got faith. I've got faith. It may not be but the size of a mustard seed, but I still have faith. All you need is a little bit of faith with God. All you need is just a seed with God because the potential is not in you. The potential's in the seed. When you put that seed in the ground, when you sow that seed and you say, God, I give it to you, you are declaring that you have confidence that he's going to keep up his end of the bargain And he has promised that if you will give to him, he will give back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Maybe, just maybe, God sent this simple little preacher along your way today to tell you that it's time that you get your song back. Life has taken too much. It has stripped out of you a lot of the joy and the peace. And you need to stand on your feet today and open your mouth and say, I'm still a child of God. I'm still blood-bought. I'm still redeemed. I'm still one of His. I belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And nothing can take that away from me. Hallelujah. Man, God, help us to have that song. You need to get back what life has taken from you. You need to get back what experiences have stolen from you. You need to get it back. You need to sing again. You see, not only is a song an identity and it's a weapon, but it's their means of survival. Most of those who study birds tell me that in order for that bird to survive because of its peculiar diet, it cannot allow its area to be overrun by other birds of its same nature. And so it seems to declare that this yard is my yard. Because if I don't have this yard, I won't survive. Do you know that your song 
It's the only way you're ever going to get through a lot of the things that you're going to go through in life. It is the only thing that will help keep you going is to know that I belong to the King. I am His child. Even though I may have fallen or failed, I'm still His and I belong to Him. And my survival depends on my song. My survival depends on me opening my mouth and declaring the Word of God and the promises of God and the assurance of God in my life. Hallelujah. God gave the church a way to maintain their spiritual fervor to help balance their life and to bring stability into an unstable environment. And he said it this way. He said, let the word of God dwell in you richly and then sing to yourselves, talk to yourselves, worship in your own spirit, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Because that's the way to survive whatever life might throw at you. That's the only way to get through what life tries to do to you. Amen. He said, don't be, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. I don't know that he was particularly talking about the liquid drink that we think of as much as he was talking about what that represented. Wine is a stimulant. It's a way to pump your body up. It's a way to give your body an extra push that it needs, a boldness that you need. And so men tend to drink to, to, to strengthen their resolve. But he said, hey, there's a better way to strengthen your life. There's a better way to strengthen your life, and it's not by adding some kind of external stimulant, but by using what is already in your spirit your ability to open your mouth and declare who you are and to declare whose you are and to declare this is mine and devil, you can't have it. Hallelujah. Amen. I've been through too much. I've had to deal with too many knotheads in my life. I've had to go through too many painful experiences to wind up bitter and angry and resentful I am here this morning by the grace of God. And God has redeemed me when I didn't deserve being redeemed. He has forgiven me when I didn't deserve being forgiven. And if God would do all of that to let me know how important I am to Him, the least I can do is open my mouth and declare the Lord, to declare the word of the Lord, to declare the promises of God, and to say they are mine. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line, every one of them, all of them are mine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need to sing your song this morning to declare your territory. Sing over your family. Amen. You need to sing over your family. You need to sing over your home. You need to sing over your own soul. Amen. This body belongs to the Lord. This vessel belongs to God. This is His. One of the most liberating gifts that God has given to man is the ability to sing because it takes the spirit that has grown heavy and weary in life and lifts it and gives it wings to rise above the circumstances of life. Barbara and Regina Leiniger were daughters of German immigrants who had settled in colonial Pennsylvania 
The girls were 11 and 9 years old when they were kidnapped. It was 1755. The sisters were home with their father and one brother. Their mother and other brother had gone to town to the mill to exchange some items for commodities. While they were home, suddenly two Indians burst in the front door of their cabin. The father, recognizing the danger, he pushed his girls behind him and began trying to converse with the Indians. He could tell that there were many friendly ones around in the area, but these two were not of those friendly kind. And so he offered many things to the Indians to help appease them, food, tobacco, and other products that he had. And soon he told his girls, go get some water from the creek and bring it to them so we can give them something to refresh them. As the girls exited the house, he spoke to them in German and said, do not come back to this cabin until the Indians have left. They hurried to the creek, and while they were down gathering some water, they heard the gunshots ring out. When they turned back, they saw the cabin going up in flames. Nobody came out but the two Indians. It wasn't long before those Indians found these two girls hiding in the grass and drugged them away. They drugged them into the company of many other captives that had been sought that day. Barbara realized that she was just one of many that had been part of a massacre of white people on that particular day in the 1700s. She said days became weeks as the Indians marched them captives westward. She did her best to help keep her sister up. They would stay as close together as they could and they would talk to one another and they would sing. She reminded Regina of the song that her mother had taught them. Alone, yet not alone am I, though in this solitude so drear. I feel my Savior always nigh. He comes the weary hours to cheer. I am with Him and He with me. I therefore cannot lonely be. The girls sang to each other as they fell asleep at night. As long as they were together, they knew that they could survive. But it wasn't long until the Indians separated the sisters and they went in two opposite directions. Barbara had attempted to hold on to her little sister, but at the threat of death, she let go. They were separated and marched in opposite directions. Barbara's journey was another several weeks deeper and deeper into the woods until finally they came to an Indian village. It became clear to her that she and her sister and other girls that had been captured would never, never forget this moment. They were to forget their parents. No English was allowed in the community. They were to only speak the native language of the Iroquois Indian. They farmed the fields and they tanned hides. They wore buckskins and moccasins. And they lost all contact with their family and friends. But three years later, Barbara escaped. And for 11 days, she ran through the woods until she reached the safety of Fort Pitt. And there she pleaded for the officers to please send a rescue party to find my little sister. They explained to her that there is nothing they could do because a mission of that caliber would be impossible. 
So they made arrangements for Barbara to be reunited with her mother and surviving brother, and no other news had come of her little sister. Barbara thought about her every day. But in life is, she began to move on, and she married and began her own family. Six years had passed. Never one day did she forget her little sister. And one day, someone came from Fort Carlisle to say that they had captured 206 girls that had been taken away in previous raids. They were welcome to come. The question was, might Regina be one of them? And so Barbara and her mother set out to find out if their sister had survived. When they got there, the sight of the girls was so stunning that they almost could not stand what they saw. They had spent years isolated in villages, separated from any settlers, not being able to speak their native language. They were emaciated and they were confused. And she said that they were so pale that they blended in with the snow on which they stood. Barbara and her mother walked up and down the lines of those refugees calling out Regina's name, but there was no response. Searching every face and looking in and speaking German, hoping that something would click and something would spur something, but no response came. And finally, Barbara and her mother turned to walk away to tell the colonel, she's not among them. She's not one of them. But the colonel was not satisfied, and so he talked. He urged them. He said, could, could there be some kind of identifying mark, like a blemish or a birthmark, they said, no, we, we, we don't remember anything of that nature on Regina. There's nothing that we know of that we could use. No scars, no birthmarks. What about a, maybe a, a necklace or a bracelet? And she said, no, there were no necklaces and no bracelets. And finally, the colonel, desperate to find a way to help them, said, well, let me ask you this. Is there any particular childhood memory or maybe song that might help you. And suddenly the mother and daughter remembered. Remembered the song that had been taught years ago. And so mother and daughter turned and walked back into that crowd of girls. And they began to sing alone, never alone. And as they began to sing and walk up and down, they could see the comfort that it brought to those that were there. But still none seemed to recognize until finally out of the back of the crowd lurched a tall, slender girl. And she began to run toward her mother. And as she ran, she began to sing the words of that song. True story. Life had beaten Regina down so much so that she didn't even recognize her own mother or her sister. She had forgotten how to speak English and German, but she remembered the song. She remembered the song. And when her mother began to sing, something was awakened in her. Oh, God, that I had the ability to preach to somebody here this morning. It's time to get your song back. 
Life's hurts have a way of muting the music within us. Life's happenings have a way of silencing that song in our life. Long seasons pass in which God's song is not sung. But oh, this morning that somebody would hear me and understand the valuable importance of you opening your soul and your mouth and declaring once again, I am a child of God. I belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I am not what my circumstances are trying to say I am right now. I am not who my mistakes say I am today. I am not who my wrong choices declare I am today. I am a child of God. The prodigal laying in a pig pen with pig stuff all over him, filthy and stinking, and in such a dire strait that nobody would have recognized him But as he lay there in that mess, something was awakened in him and he remembered who he was. I'm not this pigsty. I'm not the mistakes that I've made. I'm not the bad decisions that I made. I'm not the people that I used to run around with. I am a child. I am a son of my father and I belong in my father's house. And he got up out of that mess and started walking his way back. Hear me this morning when I declare to you that there is power in your song. There is a power in your mouth that when you open your mouth and you begin to sing, you are declaring to a world that I am the King of Kings' child. I am the Lord of Lords' child. I belong to Him and nothing can take that away from Come on, let's stand to our feet and give him some praise right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.